Jesse, you've been writing about volatility and a lot of dynamics people have been watching closely coming into this event, the rising volatility, the amount of option activity. How do you look at the markets over the last couple of days and try and figure out when that's been kind of worked out? I mean, I know that it helped on the way here, but now what? Now what do we use volatility for and kind of gauging this sell-off? Well, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good question. You know, for the last couple of weeks, I think I wasn't alone in noting that, you know, stocks are rising along with the VIX and the VXN. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- one signal I watch is when you get a 10-day positive correlation uh, in those two, it, it's usually a pretty good short-term warning sign. And we saw the market, you know, start to roll over pretty hard uh, last week. But I, I think to, to look at why that was happening, right, we've seen an unbelievable, an unprecedented amount of, of uh, speculative call buying in the markets right now, according to Jason Gepford, um, you know, retail traders have spent half a trillion dollars in notional value, um, you know, an underlying value in buying calls, I think 40 billion in, in call premiums. Um, that That is a, an amount of speculation that's five times bigger than anything we've ever seen in the stock market. Uh, and when you look back at historically that type of speculation, it usually is blow off top. Um, you know, we saw it in 2000, we saw it in early 2018 before that fourth quarter sell off. And this is so much bigger than anything we've seen before. I, I think probably what's going on right now is, uh, you know, this perpetual money machine or perpetual motion machine in the markets that option traders feel like they've discovered by, you know, buying calls, uh, make forcing dealers to buy the underlying and pushing prices higher could, you know, be in the early stages of unwinding. And, uh, you know, if there is, you know, uh, a half trillion of, of uh, I guess, uh, synthetic supply that's going to come to the markets now when, when dealers don't no longer have to hedge those calls as they're expiring, you know, that this it could prove that this is kind of the early stages of a, of a deeper correction. How does one go about trying to quantify how much of the rally up was about this phenomenon so therefore we can expect some degree of downside or does this then just come back to you have to have a fundamental view on on what you own and say all right we're going to go back to some reasonable value i mean how do we take a market that's gotten as frothy as it has and figure out how to trade it right i mean even as dot-com peaked there were huge huge rallies along the way down Right. Absolutely right. I do think, I mean, if you look at fund flows and things, they've been been negative. So I think uh, this whole run up, you know, since March has, you know, started with short covering. Um, it morphed into day traders, you know, piling in. We saw, you know, Google Trends, search trends, day trading peak in in uh, you know June of this um, this year, and then you know this massive surge into call options, which really started January February. I do think the March decline was so rapid and unprecedented because it was the unwinding of speculative call option positions that have been put on in January, February. So, you know, there's the short-term sell signal. I'm noticing the, sh- the charts you're putting up that were is that 10-day correlation. There's also a longer-term sell signal in volatility where we had a major divergence where if you look at volatility measures inverted, um, you know, VIX should be making uh, new highs inverted or new lows not inverted while stocks are making new highs and same thing with the nasdaq and vxn 
And we've seen a massive divergence over the last several months, actually with this whole rally, right? VIX has not been able to make anywhere close to a new low as the S&P 500 made a new high. And those longer term divergences usually uh, point to uh, a deeper um, correction underway. We saw those in, you know, leading in the 1516 correction. We saw it again in before the 18 correction. We saw it before bear markets in 2007 and 2001 too. So I, I think there's a lot of signs pointing to this as a major topping process. And the only thing that's delayed it was this speculative blow off on behalf of, you know, retail call buying. Um, but that, that can only last for so long. Okay, so Jesse, right now, if you think this is going to continue, what's the best way to express it? Is it simply uh, owning downside uh, volatility on the NASDAQ, buying puts, or is that volatility that's overall still elevated making that expensive? Uh, do you go and look at the stuff that's working and try and capture upside on the parts of the market that are strong? How do you put this together into a view where, again, I mean, it, everybody knows this, but just the context is that in a history that we've had the last 10 years, the further down you go, the more compelling the dip is. I mean, even in March this year, if you held on long enough, it eventually worked out. Well, you know, the, I think for the average investor trader, it's, you know, trading volatility right now, it should be left to the experts. Uh, you know, volatility was rising in anticipation of this move that we're seeing here. And so volatility is really not rising like it should during this type of a correction it was already priced in. I think trying to trade volatility, trade options right now uh, is is a very difficult proposition. I think for, for the average investor, I think they need to realize that valuations are extreme. We actually saw, you know, uh, if you just take the aggregate price to free cash flow of Amazon, Apple and Microsoft, the three biggest stocks in the market, it just surpassed their 1999-2000 peak. So these stocks are more expensive than they've ever been before. And to be exposed to them right now, uh, you know, not just in terms of valuation of fundamentals, uh, but in terms of the dynamics that are driving prices right now, this this unwind in the option market could evolve into something that's that's much, you know, easily as big as what we saw in March. And so I think the average investor needs to say, is this the type of volatility, is this the type of game that I want to be playing in right now, or, or should I be more cautious and just kind of be on the sidelines for a little while? Jesse, what types of events or news do you think can accelerate this move or, uh, or reverse it? I mean, what do you have to have some kind of thought about the catalyst for this? I mean, some would argue, well, there's no fiscal follow through from the government. So people are worried about this kind of cliff approaching in the recovery. But then others, and the way I've generally tried to argue it here, because it's where the logic seems to hold up. I mean, every day we're down, we've got a whole corner of the market in reopening trades that are working. So it doesn't, it's hard to make this argument that the market is screaming out, it's suddenly negative on the economy. Are we in that kind of upside down situation where if the Fed's not pushing the gas, that better than expected events will actually create more selling in tech? I mean, are, are we that flipped upside down? You know, we could be. I think it's, you know, anyone's guess as to what, uh, there's been a lot of guessing as to what is driving prices. But I think if you go look back to that early 2018 high, and we see we have, you know, um, that late 17, 18 run up in the stock market and then volatility blow up implosion in February, 
Um, a lot of these things that are driving stock prices are not have nothing to do with the news and fundamentals right now. Hmm. There are these these strategies like short vol like trend following, like um, volatility targeting, risk parity, and like these option strategies. So you know, part of this is not just retail pushing uh, the markets in, in these different directions, like we saw the, the, the strong surge in January, February uh, of this year, and then a rapid reversal in March, and then another strong rally. Uh, there are quantitative hedge funds that I believe um, that have been using, that were using Robinhood data, the using uh, other types of uh, you know trading data to piggyback. George Soros said famously, uh, "When I see a bubble, I rush in to add fuel to the fire." And I think that's what a lot of these quantitative hedge funds are doing. They're seeing retail pile into call options, and they're not buying these tech stocks because of you know uh, a lockdown trade or that they're doing well during COVID. They're buying them because retail's buying them, and they're creating, uh, they're adding fuel to this uh, speculative mania in options, and so. A lot of these these sell-offs, you have the volatility implosion, and then you have a sell-off in, in late 18 for, you know, who knows what fundamental reason, other than just probably a deleveraging of risk parity when interest rates went up, and then another big run-up. And, and so a, a lot of these moves, I believe, over the last two, three years are simply strategies leveraging up and leveraging down based on uh, whatever metrics they're using. Mm. And, uh, and, and lately, it's been this retail piling into call options and quantitative hedge funds, I think, adding fuel to the fire. But I, I do think we're, we're probably just seeing the very beginning of this unwinding. And it could get, you know, pretty dramatic to the downside uh, when, uh, you know, all these hedgers, you know, start offloading the, uh, the underlying equities they bought in hedging call options that are now expiring.